0: A start on Demand. on Demand.
1: It is September 1st, which means school speed zones are back. So we spoke to Winnipeg police about getting back into that routine. Also on the road, 314 road rage incidents so far this year, including a recent one where a driver was stabbed As we discussed yesterday, it was International Overdose Awareness Day on Tuesday. Joe Scarpelli spent a night with the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service, and he was stunned at the number of calls they got to help people with overdoses. LaBurger Week is underway. I'll tell you what's on my radar. And dancing is back at vaccinated weddings. So today we discussed marital musical moments. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling, who's on vacation and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, September 1st podcast for the start. McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is on vacation. We say good morning to you on this Wednesday, September 1st. September! September. <laughs> I cannot believe that. I don't know. I mean,
2: I think we probably go through this every year, you know, the same way we're complaining about wasps and think, oh my gosh, where do these things come from? But they come at this time <laughs> every year, right? Yeah. I feel like I got to today and, and did the, where did this summer go? But really and truly, I, it feels like it was just extraordinarily fast.
1: Yeah. It just blew past, uh, this year. I don't know. Maybe this happens every year. Time just seems to move faster as you get older. Uh, but, uh, it was, kind of a blur and and i mean i enjoyed it but i've september is my birthday month (laughs) i get my birthday september 22nd so i look forward to that but uh i'm not quite ready for september yet but here we are so uh we are
2: it all begins college kids are back in school this week next week it's uh, K-12, we've got all sorts of things on the go, an election. Aren't you excited for the election just oh, before yes. your birthday? Oh, it's yeah. the birthday gift. Yeah. I, I got that for you. Oh, thanks Thank you I very much. I was like, much. you know who really just loves a good election? Pat <laughs> <Let> McGarry.
1: <me> <laughs> Happy birthday to me. <laughs> can't wait. I can't wait. We're actually going to talk at 637 about uh, the election. We've got a race, Loren?
2: Sort of. Sounds like it. At least it's not. It's definitely not going the way Trudeau wanted when he called this and Many surmise that he called it in hopes of securing a majority. And as it stands right now, he's certainly not going to get one. And depending on if you were to vote tonight, he might not win at all. So we'll check in with that at 6.30. And, of course, you're talking September. And uh, school zones, another favourite of our listeners, Brett, back in effect.
1: That's right. The return of the school speed
3: zones. (laughs)
2: I saw you had some audio to play there, and I was like, I don't even want to know in advance. I want to listen to it live. And yes, there it is, the dreaded speed zone for some, just because of it. uh, it's a frustrating topic for some, Brett. I mean, it's important to keep our streets safe for our kids and get ready as we go back to school. But then people always say, if it's about safety, why are we not doing this all year round?
1: Yep, so we're going to talk at 7.07 to Winnipeg Police Service. Inspector Doug Roxborough, you heard him in Jeff Braun's newscast. But, uh, yeah, it's just an important reminder because uh, you get... You get used to it for a couple of months like, oh, yeah, okay, I don't have to I don't have to slow down in this speed zone because I I always find that there's that weird adjustment going into the break where Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I don't have to I don't have to do 30 right now because we got a couple of months reprieve and then September 1st rolls around and you find yourself in that speed zone and you go, whoa, got to slow down. Uh, Because even though the kids aren't back in school yet, you can be sure that there will be enforcement. And we'll ask uh, the police inspector at uh, 707 about what we can expect on that front.
2: Oh, hey, it's how I was thinking the other day, you know, about the, the frustration people have. And you said you get lulled in a little bit, right, July and August, the fact that they're not in effect. Well, if I go through a construction zone and no construction work's being done and there's no workers out, I'd still get a ticket if I didn't hit the speed limit.
1: Yeah, I know. So I
2: don't. I just don't. I, I mean, I know we talk about this ad nauseum, but I still don't get all these years later why that hasn't changed. I really don't. Where it's, it should be year round.
1: Oh, you oh, you think the schools it should just be? Doesn't matter it, what time it, of year.
2: It, 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 we we talk about this all the time. If it's about safety, it should be all year round. Kids still play in those playgrounds in the summertime. And again, if the rules are that way for say a construction zone, right? Nobody's there. You how many times have you been down a say you know there's construction right now? Every time I go in the city at La Jemoue. And Bishop Grandin, and there are days you might go in on a Saturday and there's nobody there. But if I don't slow down, I'm in trouble. They're not saying it doesn't apply when workers aren't there, or it doesn't apply on weekends, or it doesn't apply in off hours. It's just all the time.
1: Okay, so do they? So they they don't remove the uh, the the, the no. reduced speed sign?
2: I've I've received a photo radar ticket for going through a construction zone a few years ago on a Saturday, nobody there. I, in my mind, I was like, "Well, it's Saturday." I don't know why I thought that, but oh. there was nobody there, and you had to slow down to sixty and an eighty, and I still got the ticket. So,
1: oh, that's frustrating because sometimes, uh, like I know there was, they were doing some work on the perimeter, uh, the south perimeter. I want to say three, four months ago, and. Uh, sometimes they had the signs up, and then when there wasn't work being done, they would turn the signs around. Okay.
2: Uh, See? So then there's some lack of consistency there, maybe.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so just slow down when you get to the school speed zone. And also on the school front, we are going to talk to one of our favorite teachers, Will Penner, founder of Mathopoly at 807. As it pertains to, we talked recently about the summer slide, but it looks like there might be a bit more to that when it comes to kids and academics this year.
2: Well, we have to remember there were so many kids that went back to remote learning for May and June. And, and I have to remind myself of this, too, because we got really lucky in our school division that that didn't happen. Uh, and so our kids had a full year of school last year, but so, lots of kids were off in and around Christmas doing remote learning. More were off in May and June uh, in Winnipeg and in, in parts of winkler Morden area, Brandon. And so people are wondering if there's going to be this kind of COVID slide as well. How will we know what the impact of this remote learning has been? How are we going to test it? What should we watch for? I'll tell you this, Brad, in my house, I've tried to get the kids back going on their uh, math apps. And I even, I even tried to get a book report going a couple days ago. And man, was I not well received on that one. Like, well, who's the protagonist in this? Mom! It's not school. <laughs> just give me, a, give it a shot. You don't even have to write it down. Just you know, like verbally, give me an oral book report. And just <sighs> so I'm just wondering where this is gonna go. Come, come next week. How
1: old are your kids again? Eight and ten. Okay. I, I'm trying to think of when I would have even learned the word protagonist. I don't
2: I don't know. I, you know how you <laughs> just pull, like, things come out of what I remember from school? Like, I'm not even... even I don't even know if that's a thing. I mean, I'm, of course it is. They learn about different important characters and, and whatnot. But I, 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 I... Next week, I should try and ask them, where was the denouement? The conclusion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> McGarry and McNabb Mackling is... Off this week, question of the day at cjob.com for credit aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. The question that went up yesterday afternoon, as part of the new health orders starting Friday, weddings will have a choice to make. Which of these two options would you go with? Everyone who attends the wedding is fully vaccinated, 72%, or no alcohol can be served at the wedding, 28%, because... Under these orders, all licensed establishments need to be fully vaxxed. So if your wedding is in a licensed place, uh, people have to be vaccinated to enter. Otherwise, you have your wedding at an unlicensed location, hence no booze. Also, Lorena, am I understanding correctly that dancing is back at uh, well, weddings? In theory, there is supposed
2: to be no dancing because they want you to just sit at your tables and stay socially distanced and all the rest. I don't know how many adhere to that, but that was Trending Friday. You can dance if you want to. As long as you're fully vaxxed. So, Safety Dance got some play Friday (laughs) when I heard that, which is also a terrible wedding song while we're at it.
1: (laughs) So, that actually got us thinking about marital musical moments. Is there a song you hear at weddings that makes you groan? Uh... Anybody ever sing a song at the podium during a speech? I saw that once. It was actually really uh, quite emotional and touching. Uh, Maybe something funny happened to you while you were dancing at a wedding, or you ever been to a wedding where they used fun entrance music or exit music? Like, I went to a wedding once where the bride and groom turned and faced the crowd as they'd just been married, and they walked out to this music. From the uh, the throne room, Star Wars, A New Hope, when Luke, Han Solo, and Chewbacca get their medals from Princess Leia, and it was it was a hilarious moment. And then a bunch of guys jumped out of the uh, the crowd, and they all had lightsabers in their hands. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and they they created like this archway for the bride and groom <laughs> to walk down the back down the aisle and into the limousine. So it was fun. Like you can have a lot of fun at weddings yeah uh, with if you get creative with the music so tell us a story 204 780 6868 cameron Poitras
0: recently betrothed is that yes. the word yeah no uh i guess yeah last sunday it's well, no, not last Sunday. It's been, it's been, it's not, it hasn't been two weeks yet. He's but already if, forgotten the date. I, for uh, August 22nd. I don't forget. Just <laughs> making that as a note. I will never forget August 22nd. Um, but uh, it was, it was my dream to sing Trisha Yearwood uh, very, very poorly as like kind of a joke uh, singing. How do I live without you? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was like my dream. That was nixed, so I I wasn't allowed to do that. Uh, but it was I was going to do it so bad, and it was going to be so humiliating and embarrassing for everybody listening. But unfortunately, they got nixed. Uh, but uh, my biggest like wedding faux pas is like that really really long. Uh, photo montage oh, yes. that lasts forty-five minutes, and you're finally at the end of the song. It's like, okay, it's done. Please open the bar. Let's eat. And then another <laughs> song starts, and you're like, no, <laughs> no, another song. Uh, so yeah, that's dry. <laughs> good for you. Ken. Yeah. So that's you know, just you know what, play one song. Wedding.
2: I love the photo montage. I, I
0: can't stand it. I open the bar. Let's eat. Let's go. One song and done. That's it. One song. That's fine. One song. But when it goes to like five, it's just
1: ugh. it's overindulgent. It's a waste of everybody's time. Agreed. I don't need to know the entire life story of the bride and groom. You want to take four minutes? There's a reason why radios why songs on the radio typically are no more than four minutes, because that's about the average attention span when it comes to a song. And uh, yeah, I hate them. But Loren, you like the the montage?
2: <laughs> I, I don't want it to be 45 minutes. I agree, there should be a sh- you know a time constraint to it so a couple minutes of photos is not kill anyone I kind of like it particularly if you're at a wedding where you really know one side but not the other you know you might know the groom really well but not the bride or vice versa so I think they can be cute I like it best when I've seen them done where they you know you have say you're in a tent and they put it on the ceiling of the tent or on the side so it's not really part of the night it's just always running there with, mm-hmm. and then it's just various photos and then if you feel like looking you look and if you don't you don't but it's not taken away from the evening but I like it I like all things cheesy
1: Okay, so should I just hit your song here?
2: Well, I hate the song, but then I just, <laughs> I just played it for myself now and was so happy. This is the best slash worst wedding song. Oh. <laughs> Come on, you got a smile on your face. Come on, give me some chicken dance, everyone. Kids love it. Grandparents love it. Everyone else hates it. That made me smile. It is, I don't know why this needs to come out, but it's still, and why we, like, as a grown adult, you feel just ridiculous doing it, but now that I have kids, I love it again.
1: <laughs> You're right, I do have a big dumb smile on my See? face. I, I do too, admittedly. <laughs> Jeff, Ron, what about you? Well, I'm Mennonite, so we don't really believe in dancing,
4: so <laughs> I <don't like> <laughs> Honestly, though, back in, you know, Mennonites also famously marry pretty young in life. And I went to a lot of weddings in my early 20s. And honestly, a lot of them were in church basements for receptions. And there was no bar and there was no dancing. And there were three hours of speeches by relatives you'd never seen before or since. And it was kind of a nightmare. So any music, any dance, I'm just thrilled that, you know, there's something fun happening when I go to a wedding these days.
1: Any just anything fun? You're good. You're down yeah. with it.
4: Yeah, I was like, well, there's music, so
1: right away, it's an A plus. <laughs> I am seated wedding once for my friends Kent and Eileen, and uh, I, I asked them if they would let me do this, and they said sure. They kind of gave me carte blanche, so I had each member of the the wedding party come out to their own. Individual entrance music, and I did like a little sort of intro speech mm-hmm. for all of them, and uh, for the for the bride, uh, Eileen. She came, I had her come out to Shania, and I picked the songs based on what I knew about everybody, and I had her come out uh, to some Shania Twain, and uh, I, I think the write up went something like, uh, and and our and our next guest, because I made it out like it was a game show, and I'm like our next contestant. Is uh, enjoys CBS crime procedurals uh, while she's folding her laundry. Uh, She hails from Alberta. I can't remember the exact... It was 15, 16 years ago now. But uh, everybody seemed to have a blast. So, yeah, if you can get creative with with music at weddings, it can spice the night up a lot because uh, they can... You know, the typical wedding formula, I find, can be a little boring. So, Jeff, I'm with you. If if there's something fun happening at a wedding... uh, That's the way to go, man. McGarry and McNabb Mackling is on vacation in our next half hour. We're going to talk more about that road rage incident, that road rage stabbing in East Kildonan and just the sheer number of road road rage cases, 314 so far this year. Why is road rage uh, on the rise? And we're going to talk more about school speed zones in a moment. But before that, Loren, on the subject of wedding music, Johnny says, thanks, Loren. Now my morning is ruined with the chicken dance. And uh, we got to
2: see what I wrote back to him. Uh, oh. you, you secretly loved it, Johnny. Don't give me that nonsense.
1: <laughs> and then this other person says, Okay, first of all, I hate the bird dance. At my wedding mid-90s, DJ had me standing on a chair in the middle of the dance floor and collecting items from our guests, like a cigarette and a tie and a stocking. Once all collected, guess what he played? The bird dance. Yeah. So.
2: Do they still do that kind of stuff, you know, on the chair or, like, the garter? Is that still a thing?
1: I don't know. It's been a couple of years since I've been to a wedding, so... Yeah. Like, the
2: bouquet, is that still... You know, some of those things were so gender related and kind of oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on how you feel about that I, I just i'm just curious like there's obviously things change over the years right
1: yeah i 14 and i were struggling to even remember the last weddings we've attended so it's been so long since i've been mm-hmm. to one um so i, I kind of look forward to the next one it used to be sort of a slog like you get, you get invited to three or four weddings in the summer you're like oh my gosh anyway we got to talk now about a reminder for drivers this morning, school speed zones are back. That's it. That's the dramatic music.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we they're back down to thirty kilometers per hour between seven a.m. and five thirty p.m. And uh, to tell us more, because we know this happens every year, Brett, but the reminders need to happen because speeders. Uh, seem to forget year after year. So we're joined now by Inspector Doug Roxborough with the Winnipeg Police Traffic Unit. Good morning, Inspector.
5: Good morning. How are you guys?
2: We're well, thank you. And, uh, you know, kids aren't back in school until next week, but do you have stepped up enforcement in the coming days to help ease drivers back into this?
5: Yeah, you know, thanks for the opportunity to uh, remind motorists that, yeah, effective September 1st through June 30th, uh, school zone speed reduction uh, kicks in. Um, uh, speed limits are going to be reduced from 50 kilometers to 30 kilometers an hour. Uh, and so, yes, uh, enforcement in, in this area predominantly looked after by our uh, photo enforcement uh, partners. So, yes, uh, yeah, we're trying to give everybody as much heads up and uh, kind of give them the, the opportunity to readjust their, their, uh, their thoughts. I mean, let's face it, uh, summer has been a quiet summer, even prior to summer. Uh, With the uh, pandemic conditions around schools, uh, pedestrian traffic around uh, schools has been very quiet. So uh, hopefully everybody gets this message and can adhere to uh, slowing down uh, within the school zones to 30 kilometer an hour
1: uh, speed. Now, early on in the pandemic, we saw people driving faster because there were just so few vehicles on the road. And then that habit sort of carried on as traffic started to return. Um, Is that something that you're still seeing, even with traffic volumes now pretty much returning to normal?
5: Yes and no. I mean, I can tell you, like, uh, the, the within the school zones themselves, I mean, um, you know, like when I look back at our, our data, I mean, we, we actually had a, 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 a we ca- captured a speed of 76 kilometers in a 30 zone uh, within the last year or so. So, I mean, it does happen. I think predominantly the, the majority of the uh, motorists out there are very uh, conscientious and law-abiding, but there are events of uh, high speeds for sure.
2: I'm not sure this is it's more of an anecdotal question, Inspector. But you know, we talk about the fact that we want to educate drivers again uh, about the school zones because he had that sort of summer off, so to speak. But you re- referenced just less cars on the road in the pandemic. And personally speaking, you know, I used to drive downtown every day for work. Haven't done that in a year and a half because I've been working from home. Had to go downtown to pick something up from the office the other day, and I was really. I really felt out of sorts. I wasn't used to, you know, just where I was supposed to go. And I was trying to remember which street was one way and which which way to turn and where the construction was. And I'm curious if there might be, you know, any concern or kind of a need for all of us to just pay more attention because we're just not used, many of us just aren't used to driving like we used to pre-pandemic.
5: Absolutely. We're getting back to hopefully the the new norm. And uh, that includes uh, when it comes to school zones, a a greater increase in pedestrians. And if you're not used to going downtown and construction and all that, what I can tell you about the school zones, I mean, uh, there are, there, it's not like there's new school zones. The, these are all the existing school zones that are in existence. And uh, they are all, again, properly signed in terms of a pre-warning telling you when the school zone starts and finishes. Uh, so that, that should hopefully um, help going forward.
1: Another thing that could help too is the the motivation uh, of finances being at play here. What's it cost if you're going, say, fifty and a thirty?
5: So the 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 fine for a speeding offense within a school zone is administered like any other uh, speeding offense. It's not like they have a section, a separate section to cover off on school zones. So. I can tell you by way of reference, uh, so 15 kilometers over 45 and a 30 would cost $246. Now, the the other side of the coin that usually comes into that part of that question is about points on licenses. And in the case of uh, this format, under the photo radar uh, program, the the fine is leveled against the registered owner, not the driver. So there are no points that uh, accompany this uh, particular offense.
2: Before we let you go, I'm just curious, it gets asked every year, I think, and you've probably heard it too, Inspector, why not just make these year-round so that we don't have to have this sort of re-education every September for people to get used to school zones again? Why not just make them 12 months a year?
5: Well, and I guess that is, uh, that's 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 a conversation probably uh, above and beyond uh, my, my my level. But, uh, yeah, that, that's a thought, Um I I don't know if I can really give you an answer one way or another as to why that should be the case. I mean, uh, it's uh, I guess uh, government officials would have to weigh in on that.
1: Traffic inspector with the Winnipeg Police Service, Doug Roxborough, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Inspector, thank you very much for the time. Much appreciated. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye. McGarry McNabb, Mackling is off this week, and we're talking about Wedding music, marital musical moments. Got a story about the music that you've heard or an experience you had with music at a wedding? Tom, sharing a great story at 204-780-6868, Loren.
2: Yeah, Tom said, my wife and I were married in 96, and we had a reception at the Airliner Hotel. There was a second wedding in the banquet room next to us. Our wedding was very boisterous. The DJ played the conga line. My wife and I were leading the line. We went to the wedding next door, leading this conga, and stole the bride, groom, wedding party and about half of the second wedding into our conga line. We took them back to our banquet room for the rest of the dance. Later, the other bride and groom came back to thank us as there had been a fight at their wedding and we were instrumental in turning their
1: mood around. Right Great on, story. Tom. Yeah. That's amazing. And Daryl, this sounds fun. Daryl says, best wedding ever. The couple hired a caller and walked us all through how to square dance. He explained all the moves, built it up one after another till you were a pro. So much fun with the square dance music. That's kind oh, of that a neat idea. that would be idea. cool.
2: Yeah, like you don't have to love it, but when you have someone just take, making it a bit different, I think that's neat because sometimes the music, you know, you try so hard to get as many people involved, right? But depending on your style or what you like or maybe your age, you you might not get up on the floor, but you would if you're getting yelled at from some guy on the mic.
1: <laughs> Chris is uh, is Chris kind of coming at me? I don't know. I, no, I think he's just expressing. <laughs> this is pretty common for various songs, though.
2: <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I had said the chicken dance made me laugh, even though it was terrible. Chris said, when I got married in the eighties, I forbade, forbid the DJ from playing the bird dance. I wrote it into the contract that if they played that song, they would not get paid. I hate that song. And you're right. There are a lot of people that have do not playlists.
1: And I've heard sometimes the do not playlist gets avoided anyway, depending on the number of requests. But yeah, that's good that Chris wrote it into the contract because if you don't want, if it's your day, So, if you don't want to hear, like if I got married, Grease Lightning would be off of the list. Brown Eyed Girl, get lost. Stuck in the middle, go away.
2: Even if I'm never invited to this futuristic wedding, I'm going to like pop up at the window with one of those songs
1: and I (laughs) get a blaster. (laughs) Uh, Keep your stories coming. (laughs) Chance to win banjo bowl tickets. McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is back next week. Coming up in our next segment, the Burger Week starts today. It goes for two weeks. Loren, I got to tell you, I was up later than I should have been, like to the point where I looked at the clock and thought, oh my gosh, I got to go to bed because I was scrolling through like 210 restaurants or whatever they have, (laughs) trying to to do some research and figure out which ones I'm going to try. So I'm going to tell you in our next segment which ones I've got on my radar because... There are just there are so many tough to sift through all of them, but I did what I could. So we'll do that. And then what are we doing after Global News at eight o'clock, Lauren?
2: One week, the school bell rings in one week for thousands of students. And so how are we preparing our kids and what questions do you have about the possibility of the COVID slide? We talk about the summer slide every year. You know, maybe kids didn't read as much or do math or other things. Well, what about the impact remote learning had on so many kids Last year, we'll talk to Will Penner, creator of Mathopoly and a fantastic math teacher. He teaches me something pretty much every time we talk to him, Brett. So we'll get his sense on on what his questions and maybe concerns or not, lack of concerns are for students this year.
1: Right now, we want to ask the question, are road rage incidents on the rise?
2: So here's some numbers the police have shared with us. Winnipeg police saying so far this year, and remember, we're just into September. They've responded to 314 calls for road rage incidents. That's up from 240 events last year and 306 the year before. But it's this latest incident that has many talking. And so, yes, a lot of these incidents might be just shaking fists, maybe someone's expletives are hurled or that kind of thing. But they have grown violent. And recently we learned of a Winnipeg man who was left with life-threatening injuries after police say he was stabbed by another driver during a fit of road rage. Global's Marnie Blunt with more on this shocking story. The incident happened on August 14th, just before midnight in the East Kildonan area. Police say people were arguing between two vehicles while driving down a road. When they pulled over, one driver allegedly stabbed the passenger of the other vehicle. The 29-year-old victim was rushed to hospital with life-threatening injuries. The suspect fled, but police tracked down the 20-year-old man and charged him with aggravated assault yesterday. Winnipeg police say this year they've responded to 314 road rage incidents. Our next guest is Professor Emeritus of Psychology from York University. And a lot of his research has also been into driver aggression and road rage. And we say good morning now to David Weisenthal. Hi, hi, David.
6: Good morning.
2: So are we seeing more of this? Are we able to document this, or do we know? I know there were some reports I read out of the states yesterday of concerns in various police departments of what they were saying was a a rise in road rage. Is that the case, generally speaking, do we know?
6: Well, generally, uh, survey work has found that uh, the public feels there's been an increase in what they call road rage incidents. The problem is there is no offense in the uh, Canadian Criminal Code cold road rage and uh, people in the field often have trouble coming up with a very good definition of road rage and what we have worked with are incidents that involve um, violations of the Highway Traffic Safety Act. Um, There are escalations as the incident you just reported in Winnipeg where uh, there are examples of extreme violence, and that of course falls under the criminal code. Uh, People feel that road rage is increasing, that's a perception we have to deal with. And I would think that with more vehicles on the road today, we have multi-vehicle households. The roadways that we have are more crowded, and that um, people have time pressure on the highway, to get to work or wherever they're going and uh, the presence of congestion increases their stress level. So what we have found is that stress leads to aggressive behavior. And it may not be as extreme as stabbing, but uh, people can shout, people can make obscene gestures, you know, that sort of thing. So um If you add in the notion of anonymity, that when we're in a highway in a big city, the people alongside us in their vehicles will probably never be uh, seen again, as opposed to people in your own neighborhood. So let's say you were driving um, to work on your own street, and a neighbor backed out of a driveway without looking, and you slammed on the brakes and so on— Uh, That probably wouldn't lead to road rage. You'd probably wave and the person would uh, try to apologize. But since you're going to see that person every day, there's a restraint against acting aggressively that doesn't exist when we have the anonymity of the highway. So people are in cars and um, the car is both a means of aggressing in road rage as well as a means of escape. And interestingly, in our work, we have not seen any gender differences between male and female drivers. So the car has uh, allowed women to uh, behave more aggressively in ways that they probably wouldn't if they weren't in their car. So if someone is in a theater queue and um, people join some uh, couple, let's say, in front of you, Um, you might not grab the person and push them back to the end of the line, but you'd say, oh, you know, some people are so rude they don't uh, queue properly or something like that. But by having the car, you have anonymity and you have a means of aggression and escape.
1: Are there commonalities with these incidents, like either with personalities or situations uh, that lead to road rage?
6: Well, what we have seen is that people... Who carry around a higher baseline level of stress react much more extremely to roadway stress. And the roadway stress, as I mentioned, could be uh, coming from time pressure, it could be from noise, it could be from uh, odors of, uh, you know, diesel fumes and so on, exhaust. So all these are stressors and they magnify, if I can use that term the pre-existing levels of stress that we all carry around with us.
2: So, you know, one of the things I mentioned earlier this morning, David, was the fact that I am more cognizant of the possibility of road rage when I've traveled to the States. And that's in part because, you know, I have in mind the possibility of, of gun use just because of the very laws in that country. But then when I heard this incident about in Winnipeg that took place last month in August and someone being stabbed, I thought, OK, no, there's lots of ways to hurt someone uh, in this kind of incident if you pull over and get into that altercation. But also at the end of the day, the car is a weapon, and is there is there something going on in our brains where we still haven't clued in to that fact that the that the car is its own weapon itself, and when we're behaving aggressively, we could hurt someone just as easily if we pulled that weapon out of the glove box, so to speak.
6: Yeah, um, in some work um, for <clears throat> a student, a former student of mine, Deanna Singhal, she analyzed um, the consequences of seeing the. Uh, Um, car movies that um, have uh, come out every year where they have uh, incredible driving uh, uh, stunts and so on and that um, when these movies play in theaters we tend to find higher levels of um, speeding and an increase in uh, photo radar ticketing and she looked at uh, The situation in Edmonton and found that uh, consistently with the Fast and Furious um, uh, movies, both that have uh, been released in previous years, she gets the same results. People drive faster and they get more tickets and the <clears throat> tickets seem to uh, increase just as the theater uh, features that film you know, for the first weekend. And after about 30 days, when um, presumably their target audience has already seen the movie, speeding tends to decrease. And we have looked at uh, weather effects. They're negligible. It just seems to be that people tend to imitate the driving they see in these um, Hollywood movies. They feature fast cars and uh, stars and so on. So the uh, viewers tend to identify, I think, with some of these situations. And we know that road rage seems to be, at least in extreme examples, like the stabbing, tend to involve men, young men, and uh, this is consistent with what uh, criminologists know about Um, crimes like murder and rape, they tend to be committed by men under the age of 30. So as I used to tell my students, once you turn 30, you can breathe a sigh of relief that you haven't acted aggressively enough to uh, be charged
1: David Weisenthal is a professor emeritus of psychology from York University, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Professor, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate this.
6: Thank you for having me.
1: And uh, indeed, Loren, I know that uh, I referenced earlier that I have raged on the road before, but I've noticed that as I've gotten older, that aggression has calmed down. I still find myself cursing and screaming and sure. yelling. I'll be behind somebody and say, just, just
0: drive already. Yeah.
1: But I, that's just me screaming to myself.
2: Yeah. Every time I get cut off, you know, by someone who's mad about something, particularly the anti-zipper mergers people, <laughs> I just think, like, you you got a lot of... I wish I had... The, again, I, say, I always say I wish I had a sign that you could broadcast on the car being like, dude, relax. It's the zipper merge. You're going to be okay. You're actually four feet behind me. You're going to get there at the exact same time as you would have if I had not done this.
1: McGarry McNabb-Mackling is back next week. It is Le Burger Week. It is officially underway. We teed it up last Friday with Kevin Bergen, host of The Main Ingredient here on 680 CJOB. It's two weeks this year. There are over 200 restaurants participating. And, Loren, last night I uh, thought, ah, I should, I should take a look at their website and just to see what I want to eat And an hour and a half later, I look at the Mm. clock, it's 1030. And I go, good God, man, go to bed. (laughs) But uh, I just wanted to give you a couple of ideas here uh, because, you know, burgers are fun and we're always hungry. Have you looked at the uh, at the burgers yet?
2: I did last week when I uh, who did we speak to the um, who was kind of running the burger week, and I I went down the rabbit hole of checking them out, and then I did again when we talked to the Silver Heights restaurant earlier this week because they have a great burger, also being featured. So yeah, I've I've dipped into it a few times, but my, my, if if I partake, it's usually just spontaneous, right? You drive by and you see a sign and you are hungry at that time, and I will zip in. But you are planning, you are doing like a full blown calendar iPhone calendars, Samsung calendar, whiteboard newsroom calendar with your strategy to...
1: He's that's right this out yeah like today I'm actually going to uh, Silver Heights I'm gonna go try I gotta go get my haircut in Transcona and then I'm gonna drive back out to Silver Heights restaurant and lounge and try the achy Brecky heart which has a homemade apple fritter bun Angus beef breakfast all beef patty and a sunny side up eggs with some shredded hash browns on it and some cured bacon so that sounds pretty cool uh, I've already tried one I got uh I was at the King's Head on Friday and I said hey, any chance I could try the burger and they said okay so they've got uh something called the double beef banger So it's it's you know they have bangers and mash there. Yeah. They put one of the bangers on the burger. It's got a pretzel bun, and it comes with this side of uh, peppercorn gravy that you can then put on the burger. The peppercorn gravy there is amazing. So that was cool, and they've got another one, I believe, uh, that's a chicken one, and um, it's going to be sort of prepared in their their house hot sauce that one of their bartenders makes, sweet baby Jables hot sauce, which is amazing. Do you like hot sauce?
2: Oh, I love. It. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I'll yes.
1: have I'll have to get you a bottle of that stuff cuz you'll love it. Uh so that uh I'm going to try that one on Friday. Lots of Reuben burgers in the lineup this year. I was I think I saw 5 or 6.
2: Yeah, and that's the one I got it. No one's going to like. I do not enjoy a Reuben.
1: Oh, that's okay. If you don't like the Rubens, uh that I love them. Uh just means more for me, right? Okay. There's something for everybody in this. But yeah, the Promenade uh, uh cafe and wine at uh Provence and Taché has one that's called Hey, What's Your Name? Ruben?" And it has uh, Montreal meat, Japanese mayo, beef brisket, something called sauce gribiche. No idea what that is, but their food's delightful.
2: Yes, I just had the tortillere poutine there the other day, and it was awesome.
1: Oh my. Okay. I might, maybe I'll make that my side. And then Santa Lucia pizza. I eat so much pizza from Santa Lucia, but they're in the, they got in the action. Their North main location. They've got one called the Italian stallion. (laughs) It's a chicken parm burger and it has Alfredo poutine. So I'm hungry. Uh, and I'm, I'm anxious to begin my research today. <laughs> oh, and the James Avenue Pump House is open. I didn't even know that. I saw Brent yes. Bellamy tweeting about that recently. Then they've got one called the Bacon Double Double. So, uh,
2: you had me a Bacon...
1: McGarry and McNabb Mackling is back next week. Reminder that we're giving away Banjo Bowl tickets and we're asking you to share us a story, share with us a story about marital musical moments. Tell us a story about something fun involving the music at a wedding you attended, like Jamie... (laughs) <laughs> Loren, he says, I went to a wedding where the bride and groom's first waltz song was "Love Stinks" yeah. <laughs> by the the Jay Geals Band. Uh, I'll have to look that up. But
2: it'd be better if they did the version that Adam Sandler did in um, the Wedding Singer. He oh, sang yeah, "Love Stinks," but he replaced the words like
1: whoop a Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Okay, that's actually a good Adam Sandler movie. Thank you for the reminder on that. I appreciate that. Hey, it's Wednesday. Few and far between. Hal Anderson joins us at eight thirty-seven. It's Wednesday, so the thirty-fourth greatest Canadian of all time uh, will be on with us in our next half hour. He's also got Bob uh, Venable tickets to give away this afternoon. In the meantime, you said it earlier, Loren. Can't believe it. We, we were we were still like it's September already. One week today, kids start going back to school.
2: Yeah, September 8th marks the return for thousands. There might be some staggered days and varying times, but uh, yes, yeah, September 8th is the date on the calendar. And I think like last year with COVID, there are, of course, some unknowns and some uncertainty as to how this will go in the days ahead. Uh, masks, of course, are back. So the kids are relatively used to that. Some cases, cohorts might be back. There are, of course, vaccine questions. And I think, You know, just speaking as a parent and and on behalf of some of the other parents I've talked to, I know in many homes, there's this hope that the kids will stay in school and that we don't see any return to remote learning. Uh, Thousands, of course, were sent home in May in Winnipeg and Brandon and other communities. It's the second year in a row that at least some remote learning was done for thousands, Brett. And of course, that has many asking about the impact, about what's being referred to as the possibility of a COVID slide. Will there be greater challenges for our kids to overcome? Will Penner is a math teacher here in Winnipeg and also creator of the game Mathopoly and joins us again this morning. Hi, Will.
7: Good morning. How are you guys?
2: Before we get into the COVID slide, how are you? Are you ready for uh, school to return?
7: I'm totally ready. Absolutely. I got, I'm got. i a little bit giddy. I changed my alarm clock today for September 1st and I'm ready to go.
2: All right. So COVID slide, you know, we talked about this a bit last year, but now you've got thousands of kids who've had varying degrees of in class or out of class learning could this be a thing as we watch for what will go on in the weeks ahead
7: well i think we all have to remember too that every september there is a slide right i mean there's two months of you know i wouldn't say strong academics happening uh, during summer vacation so there is that slide coming back into september and there's review being done and, and things like that I, I i think that um in terms of curriculum i think curriculum was was taught over the 18 months i think the teachers parents and students did a great job with it i think what we're missing with the COVID slide is the interaction with peers uh the interaction with teachers and group work and things like that and um i think that's where you're going to see your 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 biggest hurdle come uh this september
1: do schools test at the start of the year or is there going to be something you're looking for to try to figure out where your students are at
7: I think it depends what you're teaching. Um, I, I would say that your your biggest uh, slide usually happens in ELA and math. Um, because of COVID, I think, uh, you know, subjects like band and phys ed might even take a little bit more getting used to. But I, I, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. I know that I don't particularly test uh, when students come back. I think that it just draws on more anxiety for some students. I think it's a gauging thing. I think teachers are are really good at gauging where students are within the, you know, the first week or two, and they go from there and adapt as they need to.
2: Yeah, we're we're so focused on the academic side, but you made a good point there, Will, about the fact that kids haven't, so many of them haven't been, yes, they've been amongst their peers this summer, but not in that structured setting, right? So it's always really tiring, I think, for the kids for the first couple weeks as they get used to the schedule, and, you know, waking up a bit earlier, and, and that's the typical thing for September, but now you're raising the point that, May June, they didn't even, you know, putting up your hand or asking the teacher a question or or engaging with a class of ten, fifteen, twenty. None of those things really happened as normal. They could very well be very extra exhausted this time around.
7: Right, and I, I think that's the, I think that's. I mean, I, I'm sure that's that's not a neat point. I think people realize that that mm-hmm. um, there was that that lack of interaction between peers, right, and group work and projects and. That one-on-one time with teachers or small group settings, I think that's where, like I said, the biggest hurdle is going to come because all of a sudden, you know, we're allowed to do that again, which is great. Um, so now you're planning a little bit differently. Students are are, are going to have a, maybe a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say fun, but but they they will. I mean, it's not fun sitting in a desk uh, at, your home, <laughs> at your home and raising a hand and looking at a computer screen. Um, and not being able to, to interact with your, your friends uh, or other students um, in the class and your teachers. So I think that's going to be the greatest thing coming back.
1: A lot of students, too, have. Uh, the, if you're a quiet student, it might be because you have social anxiety. So I would imagine that at least for some, the remote learning may, was maybe a blessing to not have to actually go to school and be around everybody. So this could also be a difficult transition for some of the kids who have been, maybe preferred the remote learning.
7: I think you're absolutely right. I think there were some that's some students who absolutely um, did fantastic on remote learning for that exact piece. I mean, they might have they might be shy, um, they might not be as comfortable in a subject matter. So you know, being at home, being a, you know in a safe place for them, um, and and doing the work that was given to them on their own time, there was no timelines necessarily, um, you know, within a classroom. So I, I think there will be those students, and um, that will come to school and have some anxiety for sure. But I, I, I believe that some of those students might, they, they might even choose to stay home this year as well, or even for the first couple of months.
2: Do you have any of that, Will? Have you heard from students or parents that are saying, Yeah, I think I'll just keep keep them home"?
7: So far, um, from what I've seen um, and read in emails, um, it looks like we, you know, my class is going to be quite full. So I will have uh, a, a large class again, which is great. And I think uh, overall, as the school and the school division, I, I don't think we're seeing an, an uptake like we did last September for sure. Last September was uh, it was an anomaly, of course.
1: Will Penner so is I, a, sorry. W- sorry, Will. I thought you were done, we're, but we sure. we're out of time anyway, so no we got to let you go. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Mr. Penner. Take care, guys. Will Penner Good is luck. a math Next teacher. Week, will. <laughs> He's a math Sorry, te- now I'm
2: interrupting you. Twice. He's a math Should teacher
1: in Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> He's the creator of Mathopoly, and uh, we'd like to talk to him when it's time to talk about school stuff.
0: Hello, hello, good morning. Good morning,
4: Eminem. Um by the way, it is good luck for the happy couple if the dog takes a poop at the wedding. Did you know that? Uh, for real?
3: <laughs> no. Oh, I don't you know. know. You know how they know. say
4: it's good luck if it rains, you know, it's yeah. good luck. If it's always good luck. Okay. It doesn't matter. Because half of them still end up in divorce court. Anyhow. <laughs> uh, there you go. That's optimistic Hal today. Uh, by the way, it is uh, World Letter Writing Day today. Oh. World oh. Letter. So everybody everywhere is realizing, damn, I'm out of stamps. Everywhere. <laughs> Uh, all over the place. You know, it it is nice when you get... Do you still get letters, Loren? Do you get... Because I get get them once in a while, and they usually come from my mom. And I've saved those because there will come a day when my mom's not around anymore, I can go back and read those letters. But to get a letter is... Or even a card these days is exciting, eh?
2: I love it. I still get cards. Of course, it's... You know, I have an aunt... My grandmother, my mom will do them. My sister is fantastic at them. And, you know, with technology now, like she'll just click on a bunch of photos of her kids and mm-hmm. it prints out on her printer or she, you know, you can order at whatever store you go to. And then she just signs it said, just thought you'd like to see the latest from the kids. And instead of just texting us photos, right, it's, you get something yeah. personal in the mail. And I have them all saved. It looks like if my brothers came here, they would think my sister was the favorite,
4: but mm-hmm. she's
2: the one that sends all the cards and it's great. I yeah. love it.
4: Yeah um you know you're talking about weddings and, and wedding music this is interesting uh, A chicago couple recently on social media put up an invoice for how many guests was it four guests and their plus ones did not show at a destination wedding in jamaica and they checked multiple times ahead of the event they said yes we're coming yes we're coming yes we're coming and then four of them plus ones so eight people in total did not come and they put up on social media for everybody to see a $240 invoice for the no shows at the wedding and people are loving it. Oh my goodness.
1: This is yeah. some, something similar happened I think it was 5 or 6 years ago a uh, Minnesota couple charged uh, they sent uh, an invoice for a couple of people just for the dinner 75 mm. bucks each because they had to mm-hmm. bail last second for child care. So that's funny that these yep. newlyweds have done that
4: hell. Hmm. Yeah, and people are. Most people are loving it. Some people are saying, "Oh, come on. These are your friends. These are your, you know, family members. People that you felt strongly enough about that you invite them them to your wedding." Yeah, but yet at but... the same time, yeah, you know, it costs money to throw a bash.
2: Well, not even the cost. It's more that, it, and this is very different. A destination wedding. It's not like you decide on the Thursday. All right, let's go to Cuba. And let's see so-and-so, yeah. Bill and Dean get point. married, right? So it's yeah. not like you didn't know leading up to that that you really weren't going to come. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who yeah. kids get sick and you have to suddenly stay home because you can't get a babysitter. Well, that's an emergency situation. If you're mm-hmm. not making it to Cuba or wherever your wedding is, you knew darn well you weren't getting there. So I yeah. I, I can respect being really no- annoyed about that.
4: Yeah, I can understand it too. Um, there is a new appreciation, I think, amongst a lot of people, uh, especially since the pandemic, for the outdoors right getting outside and how it makes us feel there are a growing number of doctors that are actually prescribing um, outdoors time outdoors in nature hmm. uh, one doctor uh, says uh, that when she gives a prescription she is specific about it just like if she were prescribing an an antibio- antibiotic go go to this park for however many days and do this. And there's even a website called Park RX where doctors can go and find parks that are close to their patient's home. Uh maybe it's got a playground because that patient has kids. So this is really a, a bit of a trend, apparently, uh in uh, in medicine, prescribing the great outdoors to people. And and listen, I, I have said for many years, when I hit the perimeter on the way to the cottage, my stress level instantly mm-hmm. goes. Whew, It just, it drops. And being at the lake or outdoors, there absolutely is benefit to that, Lorraine.
2: Oh, I have, I say, it drives my kids crazy. We go to Clear Lake and we come up on the hill into the park and I make them all roll down the windows. And I always say, smell that air. And every time they say, don't say it, mom. But I, I, it's like that, like you say, it's like that weight has been lifted off. And so those spaces Mm -hmm. that you can get to, for sure, I agree that makes a difference. I don't know, Brett, about needing to be told. Where to go? Like the prescribing (laughs) on it feels like this is where we're at in society, where we have to have a doctor say there's a park just down the road. Like gods, are the person drives by that park or takes the bus past that park on a regular basis and knows it's there and it's just not going.
3: I kind of like
1: that idea though, because maybe especially if you've never been, then uh, like been to that spot, then maybe by following the doctor's orders and checking out this place for the first time, that would be great. I loved even just, I mean, the Clear Lake sounds awesome, and and how getting out to your cabin that sounds great for me like I don't have a a property like that I just like to go out to my balcony Mm -hmm. I think I made I think I lasted three minutes yesterday before the wasps chased me inside so I'm getting a little angry about that to say the least
4: yeah. Well and you like to go for walks, right? Which is which is but I think for some people, Loren, back to prescribing it, a doctor mm-hmm. saying do this, I think that's for people that don't do it and need it. I think yes. I think that's and then you go, Oh, my doctor says and you know, we try and I think most people try and follow uh, a doctor's directions. And then one more quick one here. I find this really interesting and it's an interesting conversation for us to have this morning because Loren, you're at home, Brett you're at the station, I'm here at my home studio. There's a new survey out. They talk to a thousand people. What would people give up to stay? working at home so you know loren and i are working at home 60 and and i've said many times there are some things i really like about it and some things ugh, i i miss miss the station and i don't like but listen to the survey here thousand people 65 percent would take a five percent pay cut to stay at, at home and, and continue to work at home 65 percent would take a five percent pay cut 38 percent would take a 10 percent pay cut Whoa. and the number starts to yeah number starts to drop but 15 percent Of the 1,000 people, would take a 25% pay cut to keep working at home. Yes, that's (laughs) this survey. I'll take a 25% raise. (laughs) Well, yes, (laughs) me too. 39% would give up health care. And it gets even more interesting. 23% would give up 50% of their paid time off, so 50% of their holidays. 36% would give up their. would give up their retirement. These people really like working at home, apparently. 36% would give up their retirement plan, and 34% would give up their right to vote. <laughs> this is, I'm, like, I'm genuinely shocked. I'm shocked by this. Yeah, this yes. is nuts. Yeah, crazy. Anyhow, I thought that was really interesting. Guys, have a great Wednesday.
1: Hal Anderson afternoons. He's on from 1230 to three and he has banjo bowl tickets to give away as well. Every day this week, a couple of things I wanted to weigh in on there. When he said 5% pay cut, I thought, yeah, that makes sense. Cause you know, you're saving money on gas and maybe you're not going to grab a coffee every day or every other day, but, uh, the numbers that he got into after that, like no way, man, or give up your health benefits if you have benefits. Like once you get access to health benefits, that's not something I ever would want to see disappear.
2: No, and you know, and that you know, that's obviously maybe part of a. I don't wonder if that's more of an American survey, depending on what they have there. But but here here's what I like. I'm not trying to toot my own horn or something, but I feel like I'm putting in more hours here. So, you know, I really do. So I, I, yeah, for sure, I'm not driving. I'm saving money on gas and saving some money on parking, but it's, it comes out in the wash and I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's an equal... It's an equal situation right now.
1: I can and confirm, Loren, you are putting in more hours just based on the, the timestamps the time of some of our text messages. Or we'll get a text from Loren at like 8.30 saying, yeah, I was just on the phone for 45 minutes with uh, so-and-so to set up this interview. And I'm thinking, I don't know how she does it. Is just, she, are you from the, the, the future? House, are you a the Terminator? The whole house
2: is an office, and it's, it's annoying. The whole are, house is my office right now. I don't, unless I go outside.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know how you do it. I believe you are a Terminator from the future and you've <laughs> been sent back in time to save journalism. It <laughs> is 847. 847- McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is off this week. Thank you very much for joining us today on The Start. And uh, you mentioned it last segment, Loren, uh, our colleague Joe Scarpelli got to uh, take an interesting trip this week.
2: Yeah, so he was out with the Winnipeg Fire Paramedics Service on Monday night. And, of course, we know we've been hearing a lot about the drug crisis in our city, whether it be meth, whether it be alcohol. And, of course, the startling rise in opioid and fentanyl use again. And and he spent some time out with first responders gathering their thoughts. And and here's what one had to tell him. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's sort of defeating to see, um, you know, when we talk about opioid overdoses, they're often very deadly, right? And it's, it's young people, it's people in every single neighbourhood in the city. It's not, you know, one specific, you know, uh, race or gender or, you know, uh, class of citizen. It's, it's literally in every neighbourhood and it, and it affects families and it affects paramedics that are and firefighters that are going to these calls every day. And, you know, often we're able to reverse the effects of the opioids with Narcan and sometimes we're not and, and that takes a toll on people, for sure. That was the district chief of paramedic operations with WFPS speaking with Joe Scarpelli. Joe joins us now, and Joe, a pretty eye-opening night in terms of what they had to tell you.
3: It was such an eye-opening night. You know, you you, you see the numbers um, when when they when they come in. You see, oh, uh, this this is up. This uh, this uh, overdose. Uh, a certain uh, overdose for this certain type of drug is up so you, you see the numbers that's one thing but when you when you see it firsthand and you're experiencing it it is so eye-opening it you know for example I, I, going into this uh, night for the story on uh, substance abuse I knew the numbers were up but I, I didn't I, I still I was thinking hmm, what are the chances I'm going to get I'm going to get to go on one of these calls and boy was I wrong we went to several we went to Five uh, substance uh, misuse-related calls in just over two hours, and here I was thinking, hmm, "I went, knowing that the numbers were up. I wonder if I'm going to go on one of these calls." And we went to five in less in just over two hours, and we still missed several that we couldn't get to. Others had to go to just because we were so busy that night.
1: So, with these these calls that occurred, what uh, did you actually see? What kind of shape? The, uh, the, the people who were in need
3: were in? Yeah, so we went to uh, uh, two uh, opioid overdoses, uh, luckily the people who were overdosing at the time someone had found them in one case bystanders found a man overdosing in a bike path in another case a man was uh, found blue in the lips and unconscious in his home by his girlfriend and in both cases luckily the paramedics said that they were found when they did and the and the 911 was called just in time and that's what saved their lives because they didn't have uh, much time in another case we went to a uh a fatal overdose someone called nine one one for an unconscious uh, woman in her 20s and uh, so we we rushed over there uh fire a fire truck got there before us and uh, turns out that call came in too late because she was already dead she was dead for a while she overdosed on uh on opioids and it's uh, it's it's real. it's really sad to sad to see we we went to a uh, uh another call to sedate uh, an intoxicated woman uh she was uh uh banging her head against the door she was in a sobering facility and uh, she was banging her head against the door for almost an hour so we had to go and uh and sedate her so she could uh uh safely get transported to hospital and that was that was hard to watch you know there were some mental health issues in in there but she was also intoxicated and just i was in there watching this poor woman just hitting her head against the door repeatedly and we had to go in and sedate her and it 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 really uh it, it, you know it's, it's really eye-opening to just to see you know on a typical night when uh when we're just at home lying on the couch watching tv just outside the front door is, are, are all these people suffering and and in need in uh, in need of uh, such help and on the op on the topic of uh, opioids it's the worst it's ever been in uh, winnipeg winnipeg has never ever seen uh it, it this bad before uh, two senior paramedic uh, that i spoke to they've uh, both have two decades experience as paramedics in uh, in winnipeg both say they have never seen it this bad and uh, the numbers uh, support that if you look back just the last few years paramedics have been going to anywhere between two to four hundred opioid overdose calls in a year you know what that was in, uh, last year in 2020 over 1200 Gary and McNabb.
1: Mackling is back next week. Next segment, we're giving away banjo bowl tickets based on marital musical moments. We're asking you to tell us about a time you went to a wedding and a story involving some of the music. Jackie, for example, saying to us, I had a don't you dare. Playlist at my wedding and old time Rock and roll and the chicken Dance we're definitely on it (laughs) We have another listener Saying and I'll have to test this and Forte I don't know if you know anything about this but he says Did you know if you slow down the bird dance You get something that sounds Kind of like death metal I gotta try that
8: out
5: (laughs) Yeah. I, I need to hear that now. Yeah. So that do better I. be
1: true. <laughs> I, I, I hope it's I true. I can't see how. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. I, I don't know. So I'll have to check it out. And I wonder if it's slow it down or if you just change the, alter the pitch. Yes, so it's that not might quite make more sense. Yeah. Spin it backwards. Oh, that just sounds demonic. So that's in our next segment. But right now, we want to talk about, want to continue the conversation on, uh, Road Rage. And I don't know if you noticed, uh, Loren, but Ron, the wedding DJ who sent the story about the dog who, um, uh, you know, took a poop. Dedicated. Yes. Wow. The formal word. Yeah, took Mm -hmm. a poop on the uh, the dance floor and uh, showed us video evidence. He says, first-time texter, long-time listener, and I remember many years ago, you told the story about a road rage rage incident you had on Route 90 in Bridgewater with the driver of a black BMW. Right after the incident and it was the the BMW driver who was mad you exchanged looks with an old guy in an old crappy cr- truck that was me <laughs> ron says he was right behind me and the guy so he saw the whole thing play out so what happened yeah. is this guy was i was heading northbound on Keniston, coming off of uh the perimeter cuz i had just been golfing in LaSalle at Kingswood and um this guy in a in a black BMW in front of me was driving really slow and i didn't I, so I just kind of put my hands up like, come on, man. Like, what's what's happening here? But that's it. I didn't give him the finger. I didn't put my window down and stick my head outside and start screaming at him. Nothing. I just put my hands up. Well, he saw this. So he veers like hard right into the right lane. And he's, he slows He drops back with his window open. And he was like uh, a dog that was frothing at the mouth. He went completely berserk, and then he sped up. He suddenly was going 100, and then he decided to slow down again. And I thought, is this guy going to, like, is he going to attack me so i just i slowed down to 60 and just let him go and put enough distance between us and then eventually i got to a red light and i guess that's when ron and i exchanged looks because it was it was kind of scary like uh, i i all i did was put my hands up and that provokes that kind of anger what would have happened if i had gone up beside him and like given him the finger or something
2: yeah and i think you know, i it's like the what i thought was really good advice or what made me think of this rather is we spoke to David Wiesenthal at 737 and he is with York University and he studied road rage and driver aggression and what leads people to react in that manner. And, you know, he talked about often it's a younger demographic, but not always. Um, male and female seem to do it equally. And then he said, you know, it's often more in cities and it could be because of congestion or construction or other things. But he made the point that you react because of anonymity. Like the odds of you ever seeing that... It's interesting that Ron was next to you and he's one of our listeners and he's texting now, but the odds of you seeing that angry driver again, Brett, unless you followed him home are are, are small, right? And so if we treated are we, are the drivers around us, like we were all in a small town and you were going to see them at the grocery store in two minutes? <laughs> Would that change things? Like, you know, I, I live in a small town and there are times where I've been annoyed or someone's been annoyed with me and you're so close to reacting. And then you think, oh, is that so-and-so from soccer? You know, like, <laughs> so was that the woman from the pharmacy? Like, I better not, or the man, you know? And so you just behave. And it's kind of like the anonymity we see with anger and vitriol on social media or Twitter, right? Like, you're like that keyboard warrior who's never going to confront that person personally, mm-hmm. but feels like the need to react that way online. And it's the same behind the wheel. You're like, ah, there's 700,000 of us in the city. I'll never see them again. I'm going to keep going. And maybe we should all start treating it like it is your neighbor and you might run into them again so if you're going to flip them a bird be prepared to have them come across the lawn and say what is your deal
1: yeah like when we learned today that there were 314 road rage calls so far this year that's actual calls so just imagine right. how many uh incidents there are that aren't not escalating to the point where police need to be involved but still like i i think that my worst offense and i've told this bef- story before this was 10 years ago maybe longer because uh, I was still living in Saint Fat, yeah. So about ten years ago, because when I was living in Saint Fatel, and um, there was a guy on Osborne. I was heading south on Osborne, and like, and we just got under the uh, the uh, underpass, and uh, he, this guy in a pickup truck cuts me off with very little room. So that irked me. So. At my first opportunity, I was able to pass him. So we just ended up playing this stupid game, and I admit this was childish and ridiculous, and not safe, to be quite frank. Uh, We basically were playing Leapfrog the whole Mm. time, and uh, we just kept cutting each other off. And I ended up actually, like, missing my turn because I was engaged in this foolishness, and I got to the light at uh, St. Mary's and Bishop Grandin. So I'm now parked in the turning lane to turn left onto Bishop Grandin so I can actually double back and go home. Guy pulls up behind me, gets out of his truck. So I immediately, I thought, oh boy. And uh, so I just, I got out and I put, stood up as tall as I could, puffed my chest out because he looked like a, like a big burly guy. But when he saw that I was slightly bigger than him, mm-hmm. that uh, he backed off. And I'm thankful for that because I'm a wimp. He probably would have taken me down pretty hard had he decided to get into a fisticuff. And that was the last time where I let my temper get the better of me in the car.
2: Yeah, no, uh, you know, that moment, we've all felt the blood rise, you know, and the pressure rise. And I'm sure there's many people that have shaken a fist or done what you did. And it can get so much worse. And when you mentioned the number from Winnipeg Police saying they've responded so far this year or sorry, they received 314 calls about road rage. Constable Danny McKinnon said they actually responded to half of those, meaning those were calls that they probably felt they had to get to, right, because of an escalating situation, which is equally scary, that they they went out and got to these incidents to see what was going down. And that's people calling. You didn't call any police after that incident, Brett, and the other guy clearly didn't. Otherwise, this might have ended differently. So imagine what's really going on out there if we all picked up the phone and dialed 911.
1: What I should have done was called the number on his truck because it was a work truck, and I'm pretty yeah. sure it had a sticker on it that said, don't <laughs> like my driving, call this number. <laughs> so I should have gotten that number. Yes. But uh, if you want to weigh in with the road rage story, 204-780-6868. McGarry and McNabb. We're going to give away some Benji Bowl tickets. We're talking about weddings today because uh, the question of the day yesterday had to do with what would you do? Uh, what would you prefer? A wedding where everyone's fully vaccinated or a wedding with no alcohol? Because those are your choices. Because as of Friday, if you're having a wedding in a licensed establishment, if you enter a licensed establishment, you have to be fully vaccinated. So that got us thinking about weddings because dancing will be back, and uh, then we thought, you know what? There are a lot of fun moments that happen at weddings, specific to the music. Like I'll read mix. Well, why don't you read mix, uh, Lauren? Do you see the text there?
2: Sure. Bick said I was at a wedding reception where instead of banging on the glass, you had to do voice impressions in order to get the couple to kiss. So I sang the Bob Dylan tune, Rolling Stone. Some people recognized me from an Elvis competition and started chanting for me to do Elvis. So I sang, Don't Be Cruel. That's
1: cute. Yes, and and like, how, how good must he be yes. for people to recognize him from a competition? So way to go, Mick. Sandy's text is really cute here, and it actually also ties into Elvis because Sandy says... Musical marital bliss at our wedding reception in 1993. Everybody was happy and dancing, and any time a great song would come on, my husband and I would meet on the dance floor and start dancing. Well, Elvis comes on with falling in love with you. So I see my husband move toward the dance floor, so naturally I go to join him. But then all of a sudden, his Elmwood High School buddies start walking onto the floor, also heading towards him. So I'm thinking, well, this is awkward. So I turn and walk away, and then they circle around him and start singing and swaying back and forth to the music. I didn't know this was a ritual among them when one of them gets married, and it apparently has to be that song. Needless to say, though, uh, we don't play a lot of Elvis at home.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a really cute friendship tradition, though. I like it.
1: Yeah, so good for those guys. But Kathy W. is our winner, Loren.
2: Yeah, this one made me laugh, and then I had to go. Anyway, well, Kathy texted to say, We flew out for my cousin's wedding in Ottawa just over 10 years ago, and in order to have the newly married couple kiss, your table had to do a song, karaoke style, related to love. A table behind us got up and started singing. Shut to <laughs> You give love a bad name. Jaws drop, Kathy says. For those familiar with the song, we saw some of the people from the table later in the night apologizing, but as the song says, the damage was done. <laughs> Terrible moment, but things got back on track shortly after the shock were off. Definitely not a song for a wedding. Have a great day, Kathy. I, I went looking at the lyrics just for. To, like, the first line is an angel's. Here it is an angel's smile. Yeah. It's what you sell. You promised me heaven, then put me through hell. <laughs> But like, I don't know why you would think that was like a ode to
1: love. Uh, I think you know, they're clearly just having some fun. If if it was my wedding, I would think You're that alone. that's hilarious. Oh
2: no so. one can say me the damage is
1: done. <laughs> Have a great wedding and life together, you two. Kathy W., congratulations. Thanks to everybody who shared some awesome stories. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. Just a quick PSA for Winnipeg sports fans. I get comments all the time on my Winnipeg Thunder hats and t shirts. I'm wearing a Winnipeg Thunder hat right now. I got them from a company called Voke Sportswear. That's spelled V O A K. And at 10 o'clock today, they are launching four brand new Winnipeg Thunder hats. I just spotted that on Instagram. So, you know what? I'll be doing at 10 a.m., Loren. I'll probably be buying more Thunder hats. Uh, so, look up Voke oh Sportswear. <laughs> If you want to get a Winnipeg Thunder hat, uh, very fond memories of that basketball team from the 1990s. Also, Loren, we uh, gave tickets to Kathy W. for the Banjo Bowl based on marital musical moments on her hilarious story about how a group in this karaoke contest at the wedding decided to sing Bon Jovi's uh, You Give Love a Bad Name.
2: Yes, and so that had a listener asking, okay, hang on, so you had this kind of, not a rocky start, but that would have been, she said, jaws dropped when people saying you gave love a bad name, and that had one listener saying, hang on, what's the deal? Is this couple still together? Like, let us know their status, and Kathy actually said, I was in shock when they started singing, I did feel for my cousin, it's actually their 14-year anniversary today, so on the day she shared this story, this couple, it appears, I mean, I suppose it could still just be their anniversary, but oh, nope, Kathy, just now. 14 years today, three precious boys. So Bon Jovi was good luck, as I always say.
1: Right <laughs> right on, Kathy. Well done. <laughs> Great story. And if we have time, I want to sneak in Corey's as well, because his made me laugh as it pertains to the music he wanted to play. But right now, we got to talk about how the Paralympic Games are wrapping up later this week. But before they do, our next guest is hoping that you will join her and many others at a Paralympic watch party to cheer on Canada's best.
2: Yeah, Kirby Cote knows what it's like to have Canada in her corner. Cote, uh, who lives with a visual impairment, not just competed in three Paralympic Games, she medaled at three Paralympic Games, set two new world record times in Sydney in the pool, won six gold medals at two world championships, and in 2018 was inducted into Manitoba's Sports Hall of Fame, certainly one of Manitoba's most decorated athletes. And we're so pleased to have her on the show with us this morning. Hi, Kirby. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. I had to take a long breath to read just some of the accolades there. I was running out of steam. I'm, I'm curious for you, you know, with the games, Paralympic Games continuing this week, when, when you look back on your incredible career, what stands out for you?
8: Um, I don't know. You know, it feels like a lifetime ago. And, you know, I've, I do connect a little bit with some of the current team members because they were either still competing back when I was or I've just had the opportunity to connect with the new folks. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think the highlight for me was probably just getting an opportunity to really connect with other people with disabilities and kind of, you know, as an adult now, I can see how sport really directed my life and in a very positive way. So I think that's kind of the, the parts that really like shine on through as I get older.
1: How important are the Paralympics when it comes to raising awareness of disability and sport?
8: I mean, I think it's awesome that persons with a disability get an opportunity to represent themselves on a world stage, um, or I guess I would say athletes with a disability. I don't think they necessarily represent always the community at large of persons with a disability. I don't think everybody that um, you know has a disability wants to be necessarily a Paralympic athlete, But I think it is, like, representation does matter. And it is exciting to see people similar to yourself, you know, competing and succeeding. And, um, you know, you get a bit of, I guess, yeah, you just really can connect with these folks. I don't know how able-bodied people, or I guess I don't really like to say that word. I don't know how other folks view the Paralympics necessarily. I would... I would hope that there is, you know, I would hope that they look at the athletes competing and look beyond the disability parts and just see this as a human that's looking to, you know, be active and be the best athlete that they can in an inclusive world, if that makes sense.
2: (laughs) It it does. And I think that you talk about the lens to which we want to view things or how we want to be, uh, be perceived ourselves or how other want, others want to be perceived. And when it ta- comes to the Paralympics and even the work that you're doing now, Kirby, I'm, I'm curious, like, have we made enough, like, where are we still failing to either just raise awareness, have a better understanding, or even, you know, when it comes to creating facilities, rec facilities, that are inclusive to everybody, how, how are we doing on that stage?
8: I mean, I think the conversation is there. It's just the follow through that always needs to happen. Um, you know, making things inclusive and accessible for everybody is is not easy. It involves you know a lot of changes, a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of energy. but it really is worth it. Ultimately, when things are inclusive and accessible to everyone, everyone benefits from it. so something that's inclusive to me as a visually impaired person is still going to benefit somebody who isn't visually impaired somewhere along the line. You know, you don't necessarily know what that's going to look like, but it, it really does create, you know, it creates community. It, it facilitates movement through our communities and bringing people together. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It really just makes life better for everybody.
1: Could you tell us a little bit about your visual impairment? Maybe just refresh our memories uh, for those who uh, might not be familiar with your story. Like just to maybe tell us like, what kind of impairment and, and the challenges that it creates, in just in, not just in your day-to-day life, but uh, specifically when you jump into the pool.
8: Oh, uh, interesting. Um, Yeah, Uh, I was born visually impaired. Um, I have about 10% of my vision. Um, It's kind of hard to, like, explain, but basically I just have to hold things really close to my face to see them. Uh, I have a lack of peripheral vision, so kind of like if you're looking through, like, a toilet paper roll, that's about my peripheral vision. Um, I'm extremely light sensitive, so if I don't have sunglasses on during the daytime or even if it's cloudy out, it's very difficult for me to see um yeah and and it hasn't changed so you know I've I've had this disability for the last 37 years and um you know glasses nothing corrects it I don't have any options for correcting my eyesight at this moment um as far as like swimming goes um a lot of the parts of my disability is kind of judging the speed at which I go towards things or things are coming towards me so obviously that is a common occurrence in sports mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I would definitely slow down as I like approach, say, the wall in swimming. So you know, which isn't good when you're trying to win a race. Um, but you know, I would use things like there's the big black line at the bottom of the pool and the crosses at the end of it, and those were good enough for me to um, adapt to my space. Um, otherwise, I think just in general, as a person with a visual impairment, you get really good at memorizing the spaces that you're in. So. You basically just memorize everything, and that's your best bet for, I guess, limited amounts of errors.
2: (laughs) Like counting, you know, steps or things like that, or just knowing, you know, how long Mm. it would take you to get across? Or, you know, I'm trying to, when you say memorizing the space. No,
8: I didn't have to necessarily count. I mean, in swimming, I guess I would count my strokes if I was doing backstroke, because I didn't always see the flags. But Mm -hmm. as far as just meandering through life, you just everything you memorize your entire path so you remember where the cracks in the sidewalk are and where the curb is uneven and where the lights and the stop signs and you know everything in your house you just memorize everything
2: so you're you work with accessible sport connection manitoba can you tell us a bit about that kirby like in terms of what work that you do and then we'll get into the party you're hosting tomorrow night but yeah tell us about the organization first
8: yeah, it's actually a volunteer-driven organization. So I am with a group of wonderful individuals who came together initially to celebrate um, Accessible Sport in Manitoba. So we did um, an awards ceremony uh, bringing the community of persons with a disability together to celebrate the founders of Accessible Sport in in Manitoba Um Canada, like within Canada, Manitoba is kind of the heart of disability advocacy for Canada. And we really started a lot as far as um, accessible sport goes as well. Fun fact, uh, wheelchair rugby, which you might have watched in the Paralympics, was invented here in Winnipeg. And the folks who invented it are still around and, you know, we should be very proud of them. So our organization hosted this event and it just started a bigger conversation about how can we continue to create community um, for folks with a disability and kind of doing it under the umbrella of accessible sport and recreation, just because, you know, people with a disability should, should have opportunities to be active if they want it. And that is something that we are hoping to continue to facilitate over the next years.
1: <laughs> so Kirby, before we let you go, uh, you want others to join you at the Paralympic Watch Party. So tell us about this party tomorrow night.
8: Yeah, well, let's everybody hope that the weather holds out and we can host it. Um, The folks at the Garden, which is at 955 Portage, kind of across the street from DeLuca's, is an outdoor venue and they have offered to share their projector and we are going to be streaming uh, live streaming from the international paralympic committee youtube page uh, athletics so live athletics in tokyo paralympics it starts at 8:30. we've got some uh, burgers and drinks as uh, prizes to give away so if you show up you might get some free food and beverages and i think we're going to do some trivia to keep Telling people a little bit more about the history of Paralympic sport in Canada and Manitoba as well, and also yeah, I think that's I think that's about it. I guess we can thank Sean Nathan, uh, city councillor for Transcona, who's been an ally from the beginning for accessible sport connection Manitoba, and yeah, thank you to the garden and to Driven Kitchen who'll be feeding us.
2: I just got a message from Sean Nason now while you're talking, so he must be listening, Kirby, just to say you're a great person. And uh, next time we'll bring you on, we're supposed to ask about your bike riding trials and tribulations. He says you're a pretty funny storyteller. So we'll have to get you
8: back to hear a bit about that, I guess. Yeah, if you want to hear about my fails, that's, that's, that's fine too.
2: Hey, we can all relate to fails. It helps us better appreciate the wins, I think. This is
8: true.
1: Kirby Cote joining us live on 680 CJOB, a decorated... Uh, athlete at three Paralympic games. Before we uh, check your forecast, just want to mention a couple of things quickly here. I wasn't sure if if this was going to be a topic of discussion, but I see that Hal uh, this afternoon is going to be speaking with Silver Heights Restaurant because there's a group uh, of people who have been have singled out Silver Heights Restaurant specifically and just to, to asking people to call the restaurant and uh let them know that they're not happy about the Vax Pass. He's claiming that it's, uh, the restaurant is, is supporting segregation and discrimination. So Hal's going to speak to Tony Sawicki this afternoon at 1.30. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think.